the restaurants, you know, to, to have that hospitality, to have that connection, that personal connection from the, um, the host to the chef, to the, to the patrons. It has to has to continue, and and we can't we can't let that uh, die off. This is the crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. All cuisines evolve, but globalization of food often means many cuisines and cultures can be stereotyped in order to appease the local palates. None more so than what we know of Greek food. But there are some chefs that not only dive deep into the rich culinary history of their ancestry, but look to take it forward into a new era and take guests along for the ride too. For David Serekis, that journey back is vital for every step forward when it comes to his cooking. David, all those years ago, back in the late 90s, you changed the conversation of Greek food with Parama, and here you are, a couple of decades later, back in the original site. What does it feel like? Oh, it's a little bit surreal, you know. It's, and I, I always liken it back to uh, Odysseus and his 10-year uh, ten, ten journey back home to Ithaca. Um, but... You know, out of all the, like, um, I've always felt, uh, other than Xanthi, uh, um, I've always felt Parama uh, to be my home. You know, I've, I've cooked in many kitchens. I've consulted both, uh, you know, um, uh, here uh, in, in, in Australia and abroad. And, um, you know, there was, there's really no place like home because, you know, I could determine my own uh, future and uh, flavors and palettes and uh, and 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 change the conversation and be be free to change the conversation um, so yeah and and to see it it's like I liken the new pyramid 2.0 to it's like uh, our children we see them as our babies but, but then as they grow older, they become more sophisticated. They become more intelligent. Well, some of them become sophisticated and intelligent. But, uh, you know, sort of they grow up into adults and, uh, you know, sort of behave like adults. And now I see Perima 2.0 as the adult version of Perima, the original Perima, because it was a very basic, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, package at the beginning. And now... It, it's it, it's still when you when you walk in and and you eat and you drink you still get that um you know that uh, original uh, feel you know like you still feel it it's it's you know it it, it you know it, it was that childish uh you know that childlike uh, uh you know uh, personality is still there you know um adventurous and looking uh you know to uh uh, look, looking to new adventures and uh, you know flavors and stuff, but now it's a it's a little bit more grown up. We've got a you know beautiful looking bar now, um, which we do cocktails uh, inspired by Greek flavors, um, and and the look is is uh, very similar to what it was, but again it's it's like it's like an adult. It's grown up and um, and it's beautiful to be in here. Um, and do some of the old stuff in a new setting, you know? Well, you're in the original building, which is amazing all these years 
um, later. Well, t- take us back to when you first started the original Paramount. What was your goal with it, and 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 why do you think it just really took off? Well, originally, I you know the story started with my sister and Harry, who were prior to coming here, they were the original owners of uh, Taverna Tostecki. And um, in Newtown, which is another cult classic in uh, Greek restaurants in Sydney, probably one of the most well-known of all Greek restaurants, in my opinion, in Sydney, um, other than the, probably the Corinthian or Deafness. But the Stecky is was a real institution because it was in Newtown. It was close to the university. It had that feeling of, uh, you know, uh, beatniks and uh, uh, leftists and revolutionaries and uh, and uh, Greek blues, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, lovers of Greek blues. But Harry and Yula also, you know, one of the things uh, in Greek f- food and restaurants is you either have great music and poor food or, or great food and poor music. And Stecky changed the whole uh, landscape of that and introduced great food. Um, and Harry was a little bit of a um, uh, sort of a progressive thinker when it came to Greek food. He sort of broke a little bit of the mould. And then um, when he moved to Perima, um, uh, they invited me along on the journey um, because they thought that swim coaching and water polo coaching wasn't really uh, – uh, sort of uh, a stable future for me and probably wasn't because I, you know, I, I probably didn't take it as seriously as I do cooking. Um, and, um, you know, and, and then I, I also wanted to change uh, the landscape because I believe that there was more to Greek cooking than the traditions of just the last 40 years because, let's face it, food food goes in cycles, um, you know, in, in blocks you know, traditions change of the food. You know, we may, you know, we, you know, have uh, you know the traditions of uh, you know certain dishes uh, from different cultures which last you know hundreds of years, but they you know they slightly vary and uh, uh, and change with with the times as well. And so that's what I wanted to do um, uh, here at Parama. I wanted to challenge challenge it challenge not my only uh, belief in what uh, Greek food was about um, uh, but also challenge uh, everybody who came in to eat um, and uh, have them think and talk about it you know whether it was uh, controversial or in agreement or um, you know um, cheering it on you've made a name for yourself as a as a wonderfully um, enthusiastic, and abundant sort of cook that um, just really wears their heart on their sleeve with their cooking. Who were the main influences for you uh, when you started cooking? Um, well, you know, I, I looked to my parents because they did it uh, for the the love of community, uh, family, and friends. You know, they they always cooked because that's that's the way they thought. You know, um, it was to nurture their relationships, whether it was their own family, their neighbours or the greater community, and they did it through food. Um, uh, for me, the style of cooking, oh, it's, you know, it was, it, I'm pretty much um, sort of blinkered and I, um, 
I, I my influence was history, uh, really, because uh, like I was just um, saying before, you know, a, a lot of people come, uh, all the Greek migrants who came to Australia in the post-war period, um, you know, and even before that, you know, in the early 1900s and, um, and the late 1800s, the Catherians and the, the Kazis, uh, a lot of the island uh, inhabitants came to Australia. They were the original um, migrants. And then later on, the mainland came in the post-war period. Um, they brought they brought the traditions of that era and period, and 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 they 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 put a, they put it into a bubble, and that bubble never burst. That bubble never changed. While back back home in Greece, the you know food was evolving, and and really food has been evolving in Greece for the last uh, six thousand years. You know, um, uh, we'd be we'd be uh, sort of uh, ignorant to think that all, uh, the food of Greece in the 1900s was um, uh, individually Greek, but uh, it's, it, it, it's a culmination of 1900 years after the fall of uh, the, the um, Greek civilization, after the collapse of, you know, uh, Alexander the Great's empire, and then further, you know, the sort of state, the Greek states, the the first Hellenic uh, Republic um, collapsed, um, and then the Romans coming in. You know, we've had masters from the Genoans to the Venetians to the Franks to the Ottomans, and all those cultures have had an influence on on the direction and the path of Greek food. The most influence has has been uh, the uh, Ottomans, and we can never deny that it's it's in all our words that we use. You know, from baklava to moussaka to dolmades to tzatziki, all these things. And we, you know, like you know, we, as Greeks, we like to um, you know have ownership of uh, democracy and mathematics and um, all those things in which you know we we we've we've had a part in in uh in those uh, achievements um but we also have to acknowledge you know um the influence of these other cultures that have had um on greek cuisine over the the last 2000 years because it's 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 huge and so that's that's been my influence in the kitchen i wanted to tell the story through all the dishes that i did um in a modern in you know, in a modern in a modern look, a more refined, uh, a polished sort of plate. At times, um, I, I retain a little bit of its um, uh, sort of its uh, simpleness. It's um, you know, uh, it's village style feel. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, it's you know, we we do need to move forward. One of the greatest, one of my. Uh, one of my driving um, uh, quotes uh, and passages uh, was from Plato, who who believed to be truly Helene, uh, uh, Helene must live outside their physical, cultural, spiritual, intellectual borders to become a Helene. Um, and so that's what I try and achieve. So, yeah, so I do that with food, and that's um, – 
and that's how I've reconnected. I also did that to reconnect with my my Greek, you know, my Greekness because you know I was born here. Um, I grew up in a very sort of um, a, a community which was uh, swimming and water polo, which was uh, very. Uh, it wasn't um, uh, ethnically mixed, um, so to speak. Um, so yeah, and and so I, I missed a lot of the, the you know growing up, uh, you know sort of the cultural connections um, um, that um, the you know the traditions that uh, the my, you know like my parents and other migrants brought over in the you know from the early 1900s to the 60s and 70s. There's many dishes that I've tried of yours over the years, but one's always stuck to mind and you brought up the baklava, but you, in your typical fashion, like to do twist on dishes and explore new ways. Tell us a bit about the pork baklava. So, you know, you, you actually said it needed it. You need a defibrillator with it. Um, and I agree with you because it is a, and again, it's a cheeky, again, it's, one of the one of the big uh, movements um, in in Greek cuisine was in the early 1900s, and I probably uh, he's a big influence on me too in the way I move. Um, you know, I shift the the conversation in the food of Greek food. He came along. His name was uh, Tselamentes. He was uh, he uh, learnt cooking in France. And uh, he went to um, the culinary schools in France. And he believed uh, Greek cooking had its roots back in the ancient days and it was um, and the, um, in, the Ro- in the early Roman uh, period because the Greek cooks were still re- highly regarded and Apicius um, also sort of got a lot of influence from the style of Greek cooking in that, in that early period the um uh you know sort of the uh the late roman period and the byzantine and Salamentes uh, thought that greek food is very much similar the original greek food is very much similar to french uh, style cooking and so he went on to de-ottomanize a lot of uh the dishes that were you know, on the tables of Greece at that time because of the 400-plus years of Ottoman occupation. And that that's 400 years. That's that's a huge evolutionary change in uh, cuisine for any culture, right? Um, and, of course, it's going to be the, the, the prominent for changing force in how, uh, you know, a, you know a, a, a nation like Greece would have changed a lot of their um, sort of food, um, language, um, you know, cultural, um, you know, nuances. So so what he did was he, uh, moussaka had its origins in the Arab world. Uh, originally it was a stew of goat and lamb with uh, eggplant or zucchini. He introduced the potatoes, um, but as a gratin, you know, so he learned that from the French. And then the bechamel, and the reason why he did that was he wanted to find balance, you know, uh, uh, and take away from the heaviness of uh, Ottoman slash Arabic cuisine that was um, the flavors that were pr- uh, prominent in in Greek culture. Um, he also brought on the um, uh, the egg lemon sauce, 
which is uh, a take on the velouté again to uh, to 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 uh, de-ottomanize the the vine and the heaviness of those dishes. So and and so that's why I kind of try to de-ottomanize baklava. <laughs> and what what more what what ingredient more could be you know sort of on the on the spectrum um, which would never be used in Ottoman or uh, Arabic cuisine, uh, pork. Um, but it came to me in a, a dream. And um, in my dream, uh, I dreamt of uh, the pork belly baklava, but you know how pork has all the different layers of fat, uh, connective tissue. Uh, it has, you know, the skin, um, more uh, protein. Uh, you know, it has all the different layers. And in my dream, in between each layer was a thin slice of phyllo. And uh, I woke up that morning and I couldn't sleep, so I came straight to work because I, I needed to keep that vision alive um, to translate it. I thought, wow, this is going to be a pretty awesome-looking uh, dish if I get it right. So, But one of the things I found was, you know, dissecting the pork and, and, and putting the – uh, the layers of phyllo in between and how I would cook each layer and um, uh, and and that's how I, I I came to the pork belly you know and I used um, you know sort of uh, um, just because I knew the pork was going to be rich and uh, as Simon Thompson in the good uh, when he did a review he called it um, um, uh, unctuous. Uh, he called it unctuous, the pork belly, and I, and I agree. It's a very overwhelming dish because of the butter and the pork fat that renders and melts into uh, the whole dish, and then you got the richness of the dates and the pistachios. And then um, and that's how I came up with that dish. But then a customer came along, and he had it the first time and said, you know what, it just needs – maybe you should put a bit of mustard into it, you know, just to bring balance to it. And I thought – yeah, mustard is good. I mean, mustard is not uh, – mustard is a very sort of uh, Western European uh, condiment that will take it away again, maybe bring some balance. So I added the, the mustard and the mastica into into the mix to, yeah, to try and, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, bring it away from the east and more to the west, sort of, so to speak. So and that's been a been a hit, you know. Um, um, uh, it's uh, you know it's probably everyone was so eager to come back and have it in its original place. Um, and I think again having these dishes in in the original restaurant seems to um, uh, have a different uh, experience than than the, when I've introduced it at uh, when I had it at eighteen twenty one or you know Brisbane at the Greek Club or over in um, Chicago or, or anywhere else that I've introduced the pork belly baklava. So I don't know. The, the kitchen, uh, being back in the kitchen, I think it still has my person, my soul in the kitchen there. So the food, you know, I've always noticed that the food had a subtle difference anywhere else where I cooked it. But back home, I don't know if it's, yeah, the atmosphere or, uh, you know, like I said, the, um, the 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 feng shui, if I pronounce that correct, of the building and its relation to the cooking. Uh, I, yeah, it's it's um, 
you know, that's I, I notice the difference. And I think the customers also, you know, they all come, you know, all the customers who were coming to me 10 years ago and plus are saying, oh, it's so good to taste this food here again in its original place. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the pork is um, – the pork belly has always been uh, – you know, we never we, – we prep that dish every day practically, you know, just to try and keep um, ahead um, because we, we go through quite a lot of serves. Even during this downturn, it's, it's nearly on every uh, docket um, that comes in. Between the the bookends of Parama and Parama 2.0, you um, were involved in so many different establishments from Xanthi to Kefi and 1821 and, and more. What's been the real sort of important moments for you and, and venues, do you think? Um, well, I think, um, you know, one of the things was uh, uh, going up to Brisbane and doing the Greek club because um, uh, I think Brisbane now is just taking off and, and they're becoming really progressive. Um, their Greek food was pretty, uh, other than um, uh, Hellenica in um, um, down in the uh, on the gold on the in the Gold Coast down at Surface Paradise, they were probably the most progressive of all the the Greek restaurants up there. But they, um, but you know, going up there and and I uh, started the consulting up there and and being the chef in residence, I introduced the food of Perama of the nineties uh, and the two thousands because. Um, I didn't want to uh, accelerate uh, and be too, you know, sort of um, um, uh, crazy with, you know, the stuff that, you know, I I was doing outside the box, you know, sort of later on in my career, Exanthi and then 1821. Um, so I, I, I sort of, it was like going back in time, back to Perima and then reintroducing all those classics and slowly acclimatizing the palates of what uh, uh, Brisbaneites were used to in Greek food because it was pretty simple. And, you know, like I was saying, um, in that sort of bubble, that traditional bubble that um, that was brought over from our, um, our parents um, that hadn't broke in a long time up there, whereas here in Sydney we were already about 20 years in, ahead in Greek food. Um, because of Peter Canistus, um, Jonathan Barthelmus, you know, um, and then later on Jonathan came up and did Greca. And so he was, you know, he sort of uh, doubly accelerated, you know, he took the baton um, past me, um, you know, um, and did his his thing that he does so well at the, uh, the Apollo. Um, so that was, that was, uh, that was, uh, uh, that was uh, a pretty awesome experience. Those two years um, took the club, you know, to great, you know, like, uh, you know, it gave it some, you know, critical review, you know, put, the customers loved it. Eh, you know, the community, the old Greek community didn't like me there. You know, I, I would have, I would have, um, um, I would have, uh, you know, sort of, uh, uh, old uh, stalwarts coming up to me, telling me that octopus—they've travelled all over Greece—and octopus and and uh, fava split pea. You know, we call split pea fava. 
Um, uh, never are a combination. She's never had it anywhere, and that's probably one of the the most popular combinations you can ever find uh, in the Greek islands: octopus and fava. And so, and, and this was what I was experiencing. You know, this sort of kickback. But then, and the and then the local priest, uh, uh, Father Dimitri, he would um, uh, defend my honour. And uh, because you know all, all the community would go to church, and he would he would say you know give him a chance, and but um, but but you now there because I haven't been up there in two years, the community is saying oh we, we miss David, and and it's nice to hear. I actually miss going up to Brisbane because it was I saw a change, and and you know in the two years I was there, I saw a change which was which I've seen over ten years plus here in Sydney, you know what I mean? So, um, and it was nice. It was, you know, I was, you know, I was uh, welcomed uh, so wonderfully up there and, and, and found a new family and community and, and, um, you know, I miss them a lot. Uh, I haven't been up there in um, a couple of years, um, but they're doing really f- fabulous. The chef up there that, um, um, uh, uh, who is now um, who's been in charge and has been there for over ten years? He's um, he's taken on the baton now, and um, you know he's doing a great job. Um, yeah, um, and we had the best thing, and we had up there is we had uh, we were so close to some great producers um, on the land, you know, and one of them was uh, Schultz Family Farms. And he had the best pork, the best little uh, suckling pigs, and they were so beautiful. And we would uh, put them onto uh, the rotisserie, and we would have that every uh, weekend. And the uh, they were so perfect these uh, uh, these little pigs, and the flavours were just so unbelievable. And the the skin would um, uh, cook up. And would be so paper thin and delicious, and full and and just full and and not overwhelming uh, as it can be, you know. Uh, the um, and we would stuff them with um, uh, pork, you know, Greek pork sausages and uh, mushrooms, and and have them. And they were they were big hits um, up at the Greek club there in uh, Brisbane. Lots of people's experience of pork with Greek food would be uh, souvlaki. What's the key to a, a great souvlaki? So, yeah, I mean, you know, and we always we always say that um, uh, we always talk about how a lamb uh, and uh, is the you know the special dish Greeks do. Uh, pork is the number one protein in Greece. They eat more pork than lamb is like number five is right at the end of the spectrum. But my, my parents will eat pork, um, will have very, like, they'll they'll cook pork every couple of days. They'll eat smaller portions now because they're um, in their 90s. Um, but uh, being from the north as well, um, you know, it's, the, it's, it's, it's even more uh, consumed. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's generally... You know, sort of up north. You know, they love to, um, uh, you know, barbecue it, put on charcoals. 
But for me, uh, a, a good souvlaki is I like to use the pork neck because it's got the connective tissue through it, um, a little bit of fat. Sometimes I even use the pork belly and I cut off the skin uh, because, you, you know, and just leave the fat underneath the skin. Um, and, and because as you cook it, it keeps the fat, keeps the, um, the meat a lot more moist and juicy. And you've got that, uh, that fat becomes like, a, you know, um, like a Turkish delight or should I say Greek delight. <laughs> uh, so it's sweet and, uh, salty and juicy. Um, so, uh, a good, yeah. So either pork neck or uh, pork belly. I cut the pork belly into small cubes so it cooks fast um, uh, and quick um, on a high heat, a very high heat. Um, uh, uh, just Sometimes it just needs just simple salt, uh, a, a bit of salt as pepper, a little bit of olive oil. You don't need a lot because, you know, there is that uh, inherent fat inside both the pork neck and the pork belly. So you're going to get that that uh, sort of um, lubrication from its its own juices. Um, a little bit of paprika. Never, I never put oregano on a, mar- a dry oregano um, in a marinade or on, on a raw piece of meat because when you cook it, it goes bitter and black and it's it, it, it's, it takes away from its natural flavors. You know, that's another, for me, that's another urban legend of, you know, using oregano like that. Um, so, yeah. And so, um, and one of the things that I picked up from, uh, you know, the boys um, at uh, Porteño, um, and I think they do it so well. They make this beautiful... Um, uh, when I do a, a pork on the spit, um, they make this beautiful lemon and salt sludge, lemon water and salt sludge, right? And what it does is it draws out the moisture from the, the center of the beast to the outside of the beast, and then that's, that salt sort of dehydrates and, and crackles up good and gives it a beautiful golden um a golden uh, color, you know, crack, uh, crispy, crackled skin, right? And that's, and again, you know, when we're talking about influences and we're talking about that quote from Plato, you know, I need to live outside my own boundaries and learn from others um, to to lift, um, you know, sort of Hellenic cuisine because, you know, we're not we're not perfect. So, and I, I like introducing, you know, Asian uh, influences, uh, South American influences, because I, I think those two cultures, uh, especially those two regions, um, uh, are very similar to what uh, ancient Greek cooking and early sort of, um, you know, sort of early uh, pre-Byzantine, you know, Roman occupation style, um, what Greek uh, food was what are what are some other famous greek pork dishes that that you recall uh, over the years or even cook um i mean, oh of course up north um there's a dish um the one that my mother always used to cook um and originally growing up i never liked it a lot because of the smell my dad used to uh, ferment the cabbage in the back and he always would ferment my dad would always he would make his own pork sausages using wine, leek, garlic, right? All the, the 
the very sort of uh, um, smelly ingredients, right, when you leave them out in the open. Um, he would make the pork sausages, right, um, his famous northern Greek pork sausages with uh, red wine, leek and garlic, and he would steep the pork uh, and leave it in barrels out the back, and then he would um, – uh, put them in, uh, stuff the, uh, the skins and hang them right directly outside my window, uh, my bedroom. And then the other thing he would do, he would ferment the cabbage right outside my window, right? And so then they would use that cabbage and do a braise. Um, they would get pork, uh, uh, pork butt and cut it up into small pieces and slowly braise it with tomato um, garlic and the cabbage, the fermented cabbage over time. And it was just a, such an intense dish, right? But really wholesome. Um, so that's one. But the one that for me, um, uh, that is, is again, um, it's typical of where my parents came from. They came from northern Greece, a town called Gozani up in the north. Um, uh, the geographical centre of uh, the Macedonia of um, Greece, Greek Macedonia, uh, where Alexander the Great come from. And um, up there, pork was a big thing. But during the winter, they were very poor. Um, back then, uh, saffron uh, uh, cabbage leek was their number one crop. Nowadays, it's uh, – Saffron is their big crop, and now they're doing micro herbs and and a lot of organic and also solar farming. So they're a, they're a lot more wealthier now because the crops have changed um, and circumstances have changed. But back then, um, to survive during the harsh winters, they all you know they all had a pig um, you know um, as a in the background um, as part of their. Um, uh, you know, sort of uh, um, their collection. And um, uh, they would cut, um, you know, um, they would cut it up into small pieces. Um, and then uh, this dish is called pacha. And so it's slowly boiled with um, onion, leek, um, uh, celery, uh, some, uh, my, my parents put in a bit of um, cloves. Uh, cinnamon, um, uh, bay leaves, uh, some uh, rosemary, and they slowly boil it. And then they would leave it in the pot, and then during the winter they would put it out and put it into the snow, covered. And so because they had no refrigeration, that's where they kept it. And in the morning it would turn into um, aspic jelly. So they would scoop out, and that would be their breakfast, and then they would scoop it out, spread it over bread, um, toasted bread, and that and that's what their sustenance was. And nowadays, bacha is what you have after a big night out on the town. Um, it's great hangover food because it's so heavy and uh, sort of you know it fills up and and it just soaks up all that alcohol that's just left in in your system, right? And it's just this hearty, wholesome rustic you know and they serve it with you know that um uh, a, a, a dense bread which has a real hard crust to it so when you dip it in the bread really soaks in and like a sponge and soaks up as much of that liquid and um yeah it's it's pacha is like uh 
one of the the old time again two of those those two dishes I never appreciated as a kid but now it's for me they're they're the they're uh they're the most exquisite things that I could um eat and cook you've uh, re-engaged and immersed yourself back into the world of Parama in the same site that you started at in way back in 1996 um what sort of impact has it had on you um Look, it's been it's been so positive to be back. You know, it's un, it's unfortunate. You know, it's during this time, but it is what it is. Um, you know, um, take away what's going on around us. You know, it's nice to come in here and and be creative again, and 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 be in a space where I'm free to be creative. Um, and 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 tell and continue to tell my story, you know. I mean, um, there's still a lot, a lot um, to tell, you know. Um, Greeks are about, you know, um, uh, flavor, about lightness, about freshness, about um, everything in moderation and 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 a balance, you know, a yin and yang of uh, cooking. Not not just about heaviness, not just about you know one side, you know. It's about finding these balances you know how to mix this the sweet and sour how to mix you know umami with um you know sort of acid and all that sort of thing you know it's it's it re- and and it is it's about it's it's i think it's been in the, in the greek uh, uh psyche you know since ancient times you know the four humors you know we we i think we d- we like to do that in our food as well you know our um originally you know but you know we need to um, move forward well david it's amazing to see you moving forward and uh, an absolute honor to have you on the crackling today to hear just a little bit of your story i know you've got so much more to it um good luck with paramount 2.0 there's so many people that are so excited about the fact that you're doing that um please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon oh thank you for um uh, for everything that you do, Anthony, um, I just have to say it's been a tough two years, and uh, and uh, you connecting us with each other has made it easy, um, as as has has made it easier. Not uh, it hasn't uh, hasn't made us forget about the hard times um, we've had to endure, um, but it's it's inspired by listening to other people's stories it's inspired us to keep going and motivate us to to keep uh to keep alive um the passion of hospitality uh because where other um industries have um uh i don't want to use that word have um have moved or have what's that word everyone wanted to use i don't want to use it but everyone should know have um pivoted right to different things one of the things you can't pivot is hospitality you can't pivot that local independent restaurant in the suburbs or the city right um it's something that is you know it has 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 gone through time you know uh immemorial you know from in ancient times it never changes right the restaurant's you know, to, to have that hospitality, to have that connection, that personal connection from the um, the host to the chef to the to the patrons, 
it has to it has to continue and and we can't we can't let that uh die off right and and we really need the community to understand and support uh the the difficult times the two, the two years and help us get back to where we were two years before and and support us in all the measures that we put in to make it safe um and uh, just like it was back then during this time well let's hope so mate and um as ever it's always a pleasure to to catch up with you um take care and we'll catch up again soon thanks mate and uh looking forward to uh listening to more tales from uh, many many more people this is the crackling a deep in the weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. i'm anthony huckstep Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.